Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So, in our series, we're looking at prayer. It's really teach us how to pray, and using some of the Psalms to give us the language of, of prayer. And so tonight I want to start with a cynical definition of prayer that is, I think, extremely common out in the world. Is prayer is talking to yourself and thinking that it'll make a difference. Prayer is talking to yourself and thinking that it'll make a difference. That's probably how the unbelieving world would define prayer. So what's the point? It seems like God isn't even listening. It seems like the prayers aren't being answered, that God is silent. And it's easy for that to just stay a definition of the unbelieving world, but the reality is it's far more complicated than that. I think oftentimes this is how we feel about prayer. When we're really honest with ourselves, sometimes it seems like, well, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed, and the answer I get is silence, is nothing. And so we can kind of become cynical like the world about prayer, and that ends up leading into cynicism towards God himself. And this is prompted oftentimes by when our prayers become the most desperate. You know, because often, I mean, there, there's, there's prayers that we say before meal uh, that it's not really desperate at all. Like, yeah, we want God to bless our food, but we're really not that concerned about it. Uh, that's kind of one end of the, the spectrum. But there's also prayers that, that we, we cry out for, for a miracle. We cry out for God to intervene. Uh, that there's an immediate need. Our desperation is high, and so we cry out to God, and we say, I don't really care if you answer these other prayers, but this is the one time I need something. God, I've never asked for anything else. Please do this for me. And the greater our desperation becomes, the greater oftentimes the pain and the hurt when it seems like the response we get silence. When you're in that hospital room praying for a miracle and all you get is silence. The couple that has desperately prayed for years to have children and it seems like the only answer is silence. When a relationship is at its wit's end, about to break, and you're praying for a miracle, and all you seem to get in return is silence. See, all it really takes is one of these moments for us to kind of take prayer and cast it aside and think, what good is it? But, but many of us, oftentimes, we have multiple of those things that have happened in our lives. Sometimes they're all happening at once. And we think, what's the use if God's simply going to be silent? Prayer, talking to yourself, 
and thinking it will make a difference. And what happens in the midst of the times when it seems like God is silent, when we don't find an answer to our prayer, when it doesn't seem like anyone's listening, what happens is we're filled with anger and hurt and confusion. And so the question I want us to wrestle with tonight is what do we do with those feelings? What do we do with our anger, with our hurt, with our confusion? Well, let's turn to Psalm 88, the reading we just had in a moment. And I encourage you, open up, uh, not your Bible, open up your hymnal to Psalm 88. So if you didn't realize that the Psalms are actually printed in the front part of the hymnal, open up to Psalm 88. Now, if your hymnal is anything like mine, you have 86, and then you have 89. I'm not a math teacher, but there's some numbers that come in between those two. Uh, And there's no, like, missing page or whatever. Psalm 88 doesn't appear in our hymnal. Now, this isn't like an error uh, or an accident, nor is it a conspiracy. No, the, the, the psalms that are included in the hymnal are the ones that are primarily used in, in worship settings, in devotional settings. Psalm 88 didn't make the cut because if you noticed as we read it, it's kind of a downer. I mean, at the very end of most psalms, even if, even if like the rest of the psalm is, is, is pretty tough, at the end, there's always this turn back towards the gospel. Now, if, you're not going to find it in your hymnal, but if, if you look in your Bible on... Um, in uh, Psalm 88. Here's the last verse of the psalm. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. The, The message translation probably has that as saying, hello darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk to you again. That's how the psalm ends. And when we, when we read the rest of it, here's what we see. This is the cry, this is the song of someone who is in deep pain. And so the question is, what does he do with his pain, with his anger, with his confusion? He blames God. Notice again, these are the words in Psalm 88. You have put me in the depths of the pit. You being God. Verse 7. Your wrath lies heavy upon me. You overwhelm me with your waves. Verse 8. You have caused my companions. You have made me a horror to them. Verse 14. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away. The anger, the pain, the confusion is all directed right at God. And many of us, perhaps all of us, internally cringe when we hear that. I mean, it's the reason why it's probably not printed in our hymnal. Uh, Because my natural reaction is, you probably shouldn't talk to God that way. 
the, the kind of follow-up question is, uh, what's going to happen to, if he talks to God like this? We assume, we kind of fill in the blank, the answer is, after this psalm, he talks to God like this, he accuses God, he blames God, and what comes after that? Some form of lightning, fire, brimstone, some punishment on this person. That's why we cringe when we hear this. But I think that's asking the wrong question. The question shouldn't be, what's going to happen to him if he talks to God like this? A much better question is, what's going to happen to him if he doesn't? What's going to happen to him? What's going to happen to us if we don't talk to God honestly? If we don't bring our anger, our pain, our confusion to Him, what's going to happen if we don't? Because if we don't direct it at God, if we don't put it in His hands, what happens is it has to go somewhere. It has to go somewhere. And so, it can go in one of three directions. It can go inward. Where we take our pain, we take our questions, we take our anger, and we direct it at blaming ourselves. What have I done to deserve this? It leads to despair. It leads to a, a total lack of self-concept, self-worth, self-esteem. We blame ourselves because it must be my fault. We either direct it inward or we direct it outward. We act out our pain. We act out our grief. We act out our anger towards others. They may not have caused it, but we have to release somehow. And so it gets directed at those around us. Perhaps it's in judgment of those who are successful when we think we should be. Those who have received that which we think we have earned. It gets acted out because we're so overwhelmed on those that we love the most because we simply have nothing left to give. To either the anger, the pain, the confusion goes inward on ourselves, it goes outward on those around us, or it causes us to leave. I mean, the, the psychological term for this is fight, flight, or freeze. Either we fight, we take it out on someone else, we freeze, we internalize it, or we flee. We reject God, we reject God's people, we reject anything that has to do with it because when I needed God the most, where was He? We don't find an answer to the question. You see, that's the danger if we don't pray like Psalm 88. If we don't think that we can bring our honesty, bring our, our pain, our hurt, our anger, our confusion, and bring it to God... It has to go somewhere. And each of those paths ends up leading to ruin. You see, here's the thing about God. God can handle it. We may cringe when we hear the words of Psalm 88. God is not cringing. God isn't backing away. God isn't turning His back on the author of the psalm. 
God can handle it. The issue is that you and I cannot. We can't handle that pain, that anger, that burden. We can't carry with, that with us for too long. God can. And so while when we read Psalm 88, it may kind of seem like a big downer. It may seem like something we're not allowed to say we shouldn't print in the hymnal. But when we really look at it, we actually find the psalmist is doing the two things that we're supposed to do when God seems silent. The first thing is that he keeps praying. He keeps praying. Verse 1, I cry out day and night before you. I cry out day and night before you. Verse 13, but I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. The psalmist continues to come before God. with his hurt, with his anger, with his confusion. And every day, day and night, he brings it before God because he knows he can't carry it. And so he, anytime it comes back, anytime this persecution, this hurt, this anger wells up inside him, he prays, he gives it to God. He says, Lord, I can't handle this. This is yours. And the way he says it, he says, hey, this is your fault. It's your problem. But God can handle it. See, prayer continues when it seems like God is silent. Because we're not called to hold it in on our own. But day and night, we're called to hand over our burdens into the hands of the one who saves us. See, that's how this psalm starts out. O Lord, God of my salvation. God of my salvation. See, in the midst of of pain and anger and, and hurt, how does he know that he's talking to a God who saves? It's because the psalmist... And also the invitation is extended to us is to go to where God speaks, the clear sections, and to learn who He is. Not not from the silence of seemingly unanswered prayer, but from the clear Word of God in the Scriptures. See, we're not just called to pray and expect God to simply not answer. And we're called to continue to pray, to take our burdens, to put them in the hands of our Heavenly Father. But we're also called then to go to His Word because God is not silent as long as we have the Word in front of us. As long as we have His people around to encourage us, God is never silent because He is speaking even today, even now. God is not silent. He has spoken on the cross through His Son. He has spoken through the Word made flesh, the very words of God which we have the opportunity to gather around together 
as well as to read individually. God is not silent, and one day he will come back and he will speak ultimately, finally, words of new creation, of restoration. God is not silent. And so when it seems like he is, when our our cries of desperation aren't answered, we put our confusion, we put our anger, we put our hurt in, in his hands. And at the same time, we go to the clear promises of God where we know for certain what he has spoken to us. That's what we do when it seems like God is silent because God still speaks. And I don't just say this in theory. I'm telling you, from my life, this works. Instead of being angry, instead of being confused, instead of being separated from God because he didn't answer a prayer the way I wanted, when I needed him most, it seems like he wasn't there. Because I've been in that hospital room. I've been planning a funeral. I've been at at the visitation. I've had those moments where you think, God, are you even listening? But I've also experienced what happens when instead of holding on to that hurt, that confusion, that pain, when I say, Lord, I can't handle this. This is yours. And when you go to his clear promises in his word and you hold on to those instead of your anger, you hold on to his promises instead of your questions, you hold on to his grace instead of your anger, you find healing. You found hope. See, for me, it was Colossians 1, 17. He is before all things, and in him, in Jesus, all things hold together. That's one of those clear promises that, that I hold on to in the midst of, of things I don't understand. For you, it may be something different. But I encourage you to, to find those clear promises of God that, that you keep returning back to, to hold on to those in the midst of the times when it seems like God is silent. Because when we go to where God speaks, we know he is never silent. In fact, more than that, God gets the last word. That's who we're praying to. That's who Psalm 88 is directed to, the God who gets the last word. And it's not the psalmist's pain. It's not his persecution. It's not his questions. Neither is it whatever burdens you're carrying. That doesn't get the last word. God does. And his last word is his son, Jesus Christ who lives and who reigns for you. In his name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until he calls you home. Amen.